Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 2020 Back of the Grid Awards. My name, as it has been all season, is Chris, and I'm joined by Tom. <laughs> I think that's been my name all season, hasn't it? And Stu. I'm still Stu. Hi. You're definitely still Chris. Definitely. I don't know. I'm suspicious now you've said that. I like yeah, to keep you guessing. You've raised suspicion. <laughs> this is an alias. Are you, is it Chris or is it someone else imposting as Chris? I'm nervous. Good. That's Maybe exactly we've how got I like one it. of the other many Chris Evanses. <laughs> that's true. It could be anyone. Literally, it could, could be, be any anyone, of the Chris Evans. There's oh. so many Chris Evanses in the world. Chris loves it when we talk about things like this. <laughs> I, I, I spent much of my weekend speaking to um, letting agents, and every time they ask my name, they're all like, "Oh, I got Chris Evans." Oh, you, 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 that? Was like, yeah, great, nice one. <laughs> really original, <laughs> really original content there, guys. Oh, I've never heard that one before. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like I should be having like a nice festive drink because it's the end of the year, but I'm actually drinking a cup of tea because it's like, what is it, two thirty in the afternoon? Maybe a little early. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, um, yeah. I suppose. Feeling festive all the same uh, to round out the year. I guess we'll do a bit of news before we get into the awards because it's been it's been a bit of a week, hasn't it? Considering the season's over. Mm. Yeah, lots happened. It happened. It finally happened. Sergio Perez is going to Red Bull, which Woo! not that long ago would seem like. A wild thing to be predicting, but they've made what I think is probably the best choice for Red Bull. Is it fair to say? I mean, they're breaking from tradition. Yeah, this is the first so. time they've employed a driver that's not come through their young driver program in a very, very long time. Yeah. How many years is it? Is it who was it? Was, well, was it'll, the... be, it'll be Weber and Coulthard, won't it? Yeah. They inherited, basically. Yeah. yeah. So that was from Jaguar. Yeah, when when they yeah. took over Jaguar. I mean, like Scott Speed was in it, but he came through the Red Bull program, didn't he? Scott, yeah. no speed. I, yeah, <laughs> Scott, Button, Scott, average it? speed. <laughs> Let's call him average speed. <laughs> but yeah, like it, it's basically since the start of the team, pretty much. Yeah, so that would be two thousand five. They had the Cosmo Avengers. Two thousand five. Yeah, ish. something like that. Yeah. Wow. It's um. It's an exciting driver move. It's, I think it's going to, if if Red Bull, as we hope, can close the gap to Mercedes a bit next season, I think it's going to give Mercedes a lot to worry about. Because Mercedes have only really had to race one car, you know, with the greatest respect to Alex Albon. He's never really been, for the most part, up in that fight at the front. Yeah. So Mercedes may well have a harder time next season. Yeah, or... Red Bull have made a car that's so badly geared towards one driver's very specific needs that they're going to continue with the exact same problems that they've been having for the last however many yeah, years since Verstappen started in the team. It's going to answer the question that a lot of people have been asking for some time, isn't it? Like, is it their drivers? Is it their car? Yeah. Uh, Mention Albon, he is staying with the team as a test reserve driver. They said specifically with a focus on 2022 development. So he's not been unceremoniously dropped like so many Red Bull drivers in the past but it is obviously really disappointing for him to not mm. be on the grid next yeah, year Yeah, I, I think Albon's biggest worry now will be how well uh, Yuki Tsunoda performs in the Toro Rosso because if, if him and Gasly perform to a strong level it's it's tough to then look past them as well isn't it to a degree if, um, if they decide to move somebody up again yeah um, and to be honest, I can see that Alfa Terry driver pairing being pretty successful next season. 
Yeah, um, there's a lot of potential there, isn't there? there I mean, is, we, yeah. we know we know what Gazza's capable of in that car, but um, Yuki's got some good potential. Yeah, definitely. It it sort of begs the question for me: Where does this leave Pierre Gasly? You know, he's not really been spoken about much through all of this, but actually, is he just the new? Is he the new Danny Kvyat? I like, think he's just been dropped back and he's mm, never coming back. I think it leaves Pierre Gasly as a potential Renault driver in 2022. Yep. I think if Ocon yep. has another poor season, Renault will. I think that'd be mad mm. not to look at. You know, we talk as like you know the matching nationalities of teams and drivers. And I think it's clear that Renault want a French driver. And yeah, in the I Alpine, think it'd be. in the Alpine, as yeah, I think they'd yeah. be mad not to consider Gasly uh, if he has another season like he has this year, mm. and especially if Ocon then, has another season like he's had. Yeah, it's it's a funny one with Ocon. It's what is it? His first or second? It's his first season back, isn't it? It is, yeah. Year so um, you can forgive him up to a point, I think. Yeah, and he has had very very tough opposition and he will he have very tough opposition next season as well in uh, Fernando Alonso um, I think of the two drivers probably Gasly is the better driver isn't he would I would say? certainly pick Gasly yeah yeah. I, 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 given recent form yes like I mean we talked about it during the season that Ocon might have been suffering a little bit from that year away that he's had and he's Towards the end of the season, he's definitely looked better, but it's whether or not he can then carry that into next season and be consistent throughout next season. Like when he was at um, Force India, as it was then, he was he was literally called by half the paddock, Mister O consistency, because hmm. he he was just consistently in the points and consistently finishing where he needed to finish, hmm. like with what the car was capable of. And I don't think he's lost that. I think it's just that he's finding a wild. Finding it takes a while to get back into that groove, yeah. And it probably shows how much of an impact a year out of the car completely can have, I guess. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think interesting you mentioned, um, the Force India days because that was obviously Ocon and Perez, and yeah, Perez being who Perez is, and Ocon being who he is, and they're both their attitudes towards where they felt they were in that team led them to some pretty hairy moments as as their season together unfolded. Um, And I just wonder if if Perez does have the goods and he is up there fighting with with Max Verstappen, could we see some fireworks between those two drivers? I think think Red Bull are fooling themselves if they think Perez is going to quietly drive around behind Max Verstappen. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. He... I th- I don't think it's been 100% confirmed, but we're almost certain Perez is on a one-year deal there. So I don't think he's got anything to lose, has he, really? I mean, he's gone from looking like he's going to be out of the sport to having, you know, arguably one of the top four seats on the grid. So, yeah. I mean, if he's ever had a chance to really prove what he can do, this is it. So yeah, it's, it's really tantalizing, the fight between those two. I, and I do really hope... As we said before, it is the case that, well, it's it's a weird one. Like for Perez's sake, I hope it's that it's been a driver problem and he can stand toe to toe. But for the sake of all the other drivers, <laughs> they will be hoping that he proves yeah. it was a car problem. Aren't they? <laughs> it's like it's like a bittersweet. I guess it really it? is. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's another yeah. like really exciting element to next season, though. 
yeah, yeah. it definitely adds another an extra dimensionality to the season next year, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another couple of quick bits of news. Uh, Mercedes, Toto Wolff has confirmed he's staying on as team principal and CEO for at least the next three years. So, so much for all those reports that he was considering stepping down. <laughs> at the same time, Daimler announced that they are selling part of their stake in the F1 team uh, to the chemicals company Ineos, which is which we all know as the red bit on this year's Mercedes. Um, it means the team is now third owned by Daimler, third by Ineos, and third by Toto Wolff. I mean, short term, I guess that means we can expect a lot more Ineos branding on next year's Mercedes. There were the rumours for a while that they were interested in taking over the team entirely, which is kind of on brand for them. They started off as a uh, sponsor for a cycling team and a sailing team and then moved into complete ownership. So I still don't think it's out of the realms of possibility that Mercedes will eventually become Team Ineos, but in the short term, at least... um, it's just more sponsorship space, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Third ownership mm-hmm. is a big deal, though. Yeah, third, third ownership is a huge deal. A massive chemical company like that as well. Um, you know, they Ineos makes sales of around $60 billion, um a year. So they are not short of cash. I'd and love so to know what that third to... costs them. Yeah. I'd be interested to know if it is actually... Um, a, a, directly third split or if there's still someone that's got slightly more control from what i've read they've split it exactly into thirds so no no one of the three has like any extra control Hmm. makes sense i mean it's very much like putting your money where your mouth is from total wolf's point of view as well like it's one thing being a team principal and a ceo of a company but to actually like be a third owner is real um commitment from him isn't it yeah, big yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. It shows he's got some faith in what they're still working on for for the changes, doesn't it? I guess. Yeah, it's always been the way that, like, when he was uh, part of Williams, he owned quite a big chunk of Williams, didn't he, for a while? So yeah. Well, I think as part of the Mercedes deal, that's why he relinquished what he had with yeah. Williams. Yeah, it is because he had to he had to sort of be impartial to a degree. So speaking of Williams, they have announced that Jost Capito is going to be their new CEO. Uh, he's he's pretty big um, signing for them. He was formerly the director of motorsport at Volkswagen uh, around 2013 to 2015, where he oversaw consecutive World Rally Championship titles. Um, he joined McLaren briefly, but then when Zach Brown came in and did his big management shakeup, he was uh, ousted at that point. But he's a he's a, a big name for Williams to be uh, getting in charge. It's kind of up there with um, yeah. some of the signings McLaren have made recently. You know, we've talked yeah. about getting the right people in is kind of the first big step. So, Do, does this mean does this mean Zach Brown's about to join Williams and make a massive shakeup? <laughs> or Williams <laughs> are about to go rallying? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's the kind of move that I think they need, don't they? They need somebody with that experience across motorsport and absolutely, and just the motor industry in general. I think. Um, and he, he's had decent experience across other teams, so I mean, fingers crossed, it's it's a turning point for them, and he, he can do something similar to what um, Seidel's done at, at McLaren yeah. since Zach Brown brought him in. Yeah, and, absolutely. And kickstart that change. It's he obviously this guy knows how to win, 
He's yeah. He's yeah. won World Rally Championship between, as we said, uh, with with Volkswagen. Obviously, it's a shame Volkswagen have basically shut down all of their motorsport at this point. Um, yeah, pretty much completely. Yeah, they're still supplying parts to um, factory, not factory teams, but like supplier teams, teams. I guess. Customer yeah. teams. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they don't. They're not having any factory teams. So I guess he's kind of been a casualty of that. And that's what's sort of freed yeah. him up to to take this seat at Williams, which actually seems like a really good fit. So yeah. I'm excited to see where that takes them. They also confirmed that Simon Roberts is going to be taking on the team principal role permanently. He sort of stepped into that role after the Williams family stepped down earlier this year. Um, I think it makes sense. He's sort of quietly gone about his business, hasn't he? It's I think the fact that we've not really noticed him doing much is probably... <laughs> a ticket yeah. in the column for him in that job. Oh, like, I think towards the end of the season, Williams started to sort of, uh, they started the season more or less at the back and they were, I'd say the eighth fastest car by the time the season I'd, ended. I'd definitely say they were better than the Haas by the end of the season. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Alpha yeah, kind of changed race on race. Between forwards, them, a little bit yeah. like say McLaren and Renault were Bit backwards yeah. and forwards depending on circuit. I think that was the same for the Alphas and the Williams at one point. Mm. But definitely there was a yeah, upward totally. trend, and they, they oh, yeah. really developed a lot into that car as well over the season. It's yeah. definitely a much much better car, much more competitive car than it was at the start of the year. Yeah. Which, given the relative stability of the rules going into the next season, yeah, yeah. especially if they can continue as well. Yeah, with the investment, continue that same trajectory and keep. Keep those improvements coming. Mm. You wonder with Williams whether they're gonna sort of do the classic William thing, Williams thing of ripping up the, uh, you know, ripping up the design and starting fresh. That like they seem to just do that every year and not and just never quite give a uh, a design language a chance to sort of be developed mm. into something spectacular like the the mercedes i think even now on the mercedes you can still in places see sort of vestigial pieces when well, there's nothing vestigial on a formula one car but you can still see sort of how it's evolved from yeah. lebron it, yeah it's like a shared dna is, through the years yeah isn't it? Whereas if you look at the Williams now compared to the Williams of two or three years ago, there's just they look there's no sort of common ground there. It's like they're just ripping up the the book every time and starting afresh. And yeah. there's definitely something to be said for persevering. I think with unless you know for sure mm. that is you just absolutely barking up the wrong tree, which maybe they do. They know a lot more <laughs> than I do. Um, I mean, a good example of what you're saying there though is like things like say the nose cone design. So. The, the nose design of the of the Mercedes has been pretty consistent, so much so that when it turned up at the front of the racing point, everyone started asking questions immediately. <laughs> yeah. When you got that little bulbous round bit at the bottom that was like, almost iconically Mercedes, and we'd seen it that much that you could see that it had been around a while. Whereas if you look back at the last few Williams, you're hard-pressed to find two of them that are the, the same. They've had like yeah. different... Ideology, ideologies around that part of the car, just alone that one small, and like like we say, that's a small factor in the whole aero package. But if like you're changing that that significantly every yeah. year, it's, it's the rest of it effect. has to compensate for that yeah. as well. So well, the, it's not the, an easy task. 
Yeah, the nose is, you know, he, as soon as you change the nose, the entire rest of the car yeah. has to change because that's the first point. They say that, you know, this is said all the time and you've you've probably heard it heard us say it as well. Um, the nose is the first point of contact with the air in front of the car and that shapes the air for the rest of its journey across the distance of the car as it moves through the air. So if you change one aspect of that, everything behind it, has to be ever so slightly adjusted to match that one change at the front. It has huge, huge, huge bearings. Yeah. If you, as soon as you, and that's why you see, I guess it's a really kind of like, oh, it's a really tight battleground that part of the of the car. And you yeah. do you do see lots of changes as they refine the wings and they sort of obviously you can reverse develop your wing to if it's if it's not doing something quite right for the rest of the car you can make a slight adjustment and that will have that might solve one problem for the back of the car but then you might create 10 problems elsewhere on the car by doing that, you know. And it's it's finding that balance and you need like a good starting point to be able to do that and i guess williams have just never been able to find that like perfect starting point to really yeah to really develop from there and hopefully i think again to compare them to mclaren again it feels like what williams need after the last few years is to get a team of people in place and then just have some stability for those people to do what they do yeah. best and hopefully it looks like this is kind of another step on that sort of journey to move them forwards again because there's been a lot of chopping and changing there in recent years and mm. it, it clearly hasn't helped them no but things are moving in the right direction so let's see how next season pans out mm. eh? yeah very much so and we should say as well while we mentioned williams uh get well soon frank um he's uh was in his hospital a few days ago but it sounds like he's doing all right so we hope he's uh back to his uh usual back to his self. best back to his best back to his best very soon Shall we do some awards? Yeah. That's what we're here for, isn't it? That's why we're I feel here. Like we need some like, that first 15, yeah, that first 15 <laughs> minutes was just garbage. This is what we're here for. <laughs> I feel like we need some like fanfare or music for this. It's but but here we are. This is what we've got to work with. So we we usually start our award shows with rookie of the year, but that kind of feels a bit unfair this year. Technically we've had three rookies, but one of them did two races and one of them did one race. Um, Fittipaldi and Aitken respectively Latif is the only full-time rookie we've had this year so is it fair to award a rookie of the year or shall we hold on to that one shall we gloss over rookie of the year we'll maybe gloss over that one it's I mean it's maybe an opportunity to say that in terms of Fittipaldi and Aitken I think they both did a really good job under the circumstances yeah yeah definitely very difficult circumstances yeah it's a shame Aitken ruined um, Russell's reigns. <laughs> it is a little bit. That you, was... you could arguably, arguably. Although that did fit in perfectly with the story of that race. Yeah. In its place then, let's do, I've called it a future star award. I don't think it necessarily needs to be sort of new F1 drivers for next season, but there's a lot of young drivers kind of on the, the ladder to F1 at the moment. So I thought it'd be a nice opportunity to highlight one or two of those that stand out to us. Okay. Okay. Stars of the future. That's F2's tagline, the stars of the future. It is, yeah. It's quite a good one. It is quite a good one. Should we just um, talk about the F2 drivers that are coming up then? Yeah, I guess to start there, I mean, Mick Schumacher is obviously the the headline one. Uh, yeah. In fact, I think Matia Bonota this week said that like it's no secret that he's 
they're going to be keeping a very close eye on him because they want him in a red car, if at all possible, at some point in the future. Yeah. Mm. And watching his career with great. <laughs> no. What is it? What? How does it go? That that reference. I, 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 you should only really make references if you know what the words yeah. are. Yeah, no, you knew that. <laughs> I'm just enjoying you trying to make the reference. Yeah, me stumbling honest, around I the landscape I... of Star Wars. Watching his oh, career okay. with great interest. Great interest. There you go. <laughs> there we go. We got there. I was, like, I was trying to work out what you were doing, and then when you said trying to make a Star Wars reference, I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best ones. Those are the better ones we have to explain. The ones you have to explain. Do you want a fanfare for your, for your things, Stu? I found the fanfare if you want it. <laughs> go on, then. Oh, I recognise that fanfare. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Best questions. <laughs> wow. Let's 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 talk That's about driver's game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Schumacher. I don't. We're talking about Schumacher. Yeah, I don't think we should necessarily expect fireworks from him in his first season. That's kind of not his style, is it? No, I'm always in a probably house, not. So. Well, um, yeah, yeah he's, he's not in a great place to do much, <laughs> yeah. but he tends to take a year or two to like really find his feet in a series and i think that's probably going to be the case in f1 as well which is fine um and you know he he looks like he's going to be given the time to do that unlike certain other teams on the grid when your surname's schumacher you've probably got all the time yeah that's that's definitely an area where that surname's going to help him isn't it yeah yeah well they're just the you know the uh the marketing value of that alone is so ridiculously high that any team would be very happy to uh, to have him drive oh, the car, no yeah, matter totally. what level he was at. Yeah. How about Sonoda? How do we feel about him coming up next year? Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's got the potential to uh, maybe not necessarily like set the grid alight or anything, but he's, he's. I think we'll see some standout performances from him. Judging by, like, I'm I'm judging this based on the most recent season of F2. Like, he wasn't always at the front, bagging wins, bagging podiums, but he was pretty consistent. And then that last race of the season where he desperately needed, like, pretty much everything, um, he came out with a pole position, a win, a second place, and fastest lap in both races, I think. So he bagged yeah, like so. pretty much as many points as he could. The only thing he could have done better is win the second race, the sprint race, and he came second in that. So yeah. I think like that that highlights how well he can perform under that pressure. And he needed that result to make sure he finished high enough to get the points for this drive. So that that is a lot of pressure that he's had on his shoulders and yeah. he's performed under it. So I think that will give him a good a good element of like strength within the F1 grid to be able to pull out a performance when the pressure's on, which is what you need sometimes and not every driver can always manage. Yeah. I, I think he's gonna surprise a few people next season. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty excited to see what he can do. Yeah, I mean he's got a good reference marker as well next to him in Gasly, like definitely Yeah, very much so. You know, don't expect um Gasly to be sort of making any concessions for him <laughs> like no. the experience Gasly's had he's going to be definitely wanting to stamp his authority on that team and um yes yeah, Sonoda as you said like it's very very difficult to pull off what he pulled off in that final event of the season yeah um so for him to have 
achieved what he did is is really 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 you know high praise for him like it's it's not easy in formula two to get a, a weekend of that standard it's very rare you see a driver just do a clean sweep on a weekend isn't it yeah, yeah. i mean we talked about it with with michael uh, sorry with michael with mick um we talked about it with mitch Schumacher the fact that he was one of the few people that had managed it in the last yeah. season um, mm. And then Yuki obviously added his name to that list, so yeah. it it does obviously make it it stands out, I think, considerably when you see a driver that can get that performance in F two because yeah. it is difficult because as soon as you win that first race, you're starting Eighth. way further back. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. yeah, it's a huge deal. Um, it's very difficult to achieve, and yeah, yeah, more power to him for doing it. It's, it's uh, it, it should it should be. He should be an, an exciting driver to watch next season. Yeah. Uh, any other names to mention? I was thinking uh, Yuri Vips. Uh, he's going to be full-time F2 next season. He did like a couple of sort of guest appearances last year, <laughs> but he's going to be full-time F2. And he seems... I, I think he's kind of... The driver Red Bull are... I've got a lot of hope in for their kind of future. Um, they've supported him a lot up to this point and he's been very impressive in kind of everything he's done. So I think if he can have a decent time of it in F2, I think Yuri Vips is a name we will potentially be looking at for F1 in the next few years as well. Yeah, I've, so I've heard a lot about Yuri Vips and I've not really... Probably from me and Chris. Yeah. <laughs> we, he, he, he was having a decent time at Macau from what I remember last season before the race. Was it last season? Before, uh, when the race got stopped because of the accident? Season before. Season before. I just remember he was having a decent time there and then kind of the uh, the race being red flagged put a bit of a damper on that. But he's, he, he was one of my kind of, I might expect to see Red Bull moving him up at some point, but obviously he's a little bit behind Yuki in terms of progression. Yeah. So, but he, he's always been on my like earmark of when I look through the young driver programs and kind of keep an eye on what they're all doing in their different respective um, seasons, then he's always been one I've kind of had my eye on for some reason. Don't know why. Yeah. So yeah, he's, uh, shall we go through his record really quick? I've got his record. Yeah, go for it. Go for ahead it. Of, in front of me. Um, so we'll start at 2017, I guess, is the most interesting one. He uh, won the ADAC or ADAC Formula 4 Championship um, with Prema. Um, he did some European F3 that year. And then 2018, he was fourth in the European F3 Championship. Macau, second in 2019. Um, FIA F3 Championship, um, fourth um, in 2019 as well. He's been doing Formula Regional European Championship in 2020, and he's only finished eighth actually in that. And in the F2, obviously, he's only had a couple of go. One. Yeah, I, I think I think he's. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think his um, European Formula Championship has possibly been interrupted slightly by when he's been stepping in at dams, possibly because yeah, he did eight. Yeah, races. I, don't know, I don't know for sure. Yeah, because he's. I don't know what a full season is with them. He's kind of been affected by the sort of COVID stuff more than most drivers this year. I think a lot of the things Red Bull had planned for him this year didn't pan out because of things being um, cancelled and stuff, which yeah. I think is why yeah. when there was a Formula 2 seat that needed filling, they kind of parachuted him into that. So 
yeah, it's it's been a, a rough year for him, and the resources year don't really, I think, show what he's capable of. But mm. I'm really excited to see what he's like next year. In I mean, yeah, I mean, it's impressive to... in a way though to jump between the different formulas that he's been racing because if you look, if you actually look back at his record, I'm pretty sure that there's not like a season where he's just stayed put. He's he's always kind of been moved around a little bit. Yeah, he's done lots of um, everything. Bit of a journey. I, I, yeah, so like, I think. If he finally gets time to settle down, then mm-hmm. and then get like a proper full season at, at something like Formula Two, then I think that's his chance to show his potential that I think he's got from what I've seen of him in the past. Yeah. Anyway, in, of his um, mm. eight rounds that he competed in in F two, so four events, eight rounds, um, he managed the third in Miguelo. Yeah, he got a podium in the sprint race. Because yeah. I think, I mean, in, in fairness, if I remember right, he started near the front of that sprint race because he'd finished somewhere decent in the yeah, that's right. feature race. So, like, reverse grid got him near the front. Yeah, so, but, but, still... he, but, he, but he held he held where he needed to be and, and secured a podium. And, like, again, for someone that's just dropping in to replace a driver that's um, either been affected by COVID or, or whatever it might have been, he's done a good job. In all honesty, yeah. I think in F two, you know, even no matter where you start on the grid to get a podium in F two, you need to have the goods to get a podium in F two. Yeah. It's not because yeah, you're all in the same car. <clears throat> you know, yeah. it takes a lot of driver skill to get get yourself onto any step of the podium in F two. So yeah, um, I can totally go for uh, Yuri Vips as my future star. Yeah, yeah. I've had my own in for a while. It'll make F two exciting for me next year because it'll be. He's he's my guy that I want to watch, kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Cool. There you awesome. Have there you go. First actual award that we haven't skipped for the year. <laughs> <laughs> um, next award we had lots of new slash returning circuits this season. So let's pick the one we would most like to see return to the calendar. Um, I guess I guess go we can go through this, them one by one. I guess is this on the basis that the race was really good or that we just want to see it again. <laughs> whatever, it's whatever you want it to be. It's our award okay. so we can make it whatever we want. We have six to choose from as well. Shall we just yes. list the six really quick? Yeah. Yeah, well, we can maybe just go through them one by one and okay. talk about how we feel about them. Okay. Yeah, let's start at, start with Mugello. That was, that was one of the ones that got people most excited this season. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see it again uh, just to see how a race pans out without the... The chaos that we had with the safety car, um, because I think Stu mentioned it on a recent episode that we did that it it was a an entertaining race, but it wasn't entertaining for what we wanted it to be entertaining for, yeah. which was like the whole strategy that never got a chance to play out, and would have been a pretty technical circuit. We were expecting strategy to be a big player rather, and and to be honest, we didn't think people could overtake there, which they showed that they can. So I think that the combination of the two without the the kind of chaos that happened on the safety car restart would make for a very interesting race. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't begrudge seeing it again. And I think it was arguably the most exciting qualifying session of the year there as well. Like yeah. watching the, watching these cars going flat out around that circuit was phenomenal to watch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were really not a lot of braking going on. <laughs> yeah, and just like seeing the drivers just like grinning ear to ear, like every time they got out of the car as well. Like it's it's nice to see drivers really, really enjoying driving a circuit. Yeah, really excited about having driven a car around a track is good. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, it's what you want to see. 
Yeah, I can go. For, I could go for that for the same reasons as Tom. Yeah. Yeah. What about Imola? <sighs> Imola was a weird one for me. Like it. It never. I don't know whether I was. It's hard to explain. <laughs> it was kind of. It was ex- qualify again. Qualifying was quite exciting there. I thought, but the race itself it looked very difficult to overtake at that track for me. Yeah, I think. I, uh, it's like romantically F1 at Imola just sounds right like it's it's a really cool thing on paper but sadly realistically I think F1 has kind of outgrown that circuit yeah it definitely it, seemed quaint didn't it of, yeah of all the races that we went to it seemed like they were going around a village racetrack rather than an actual Grand Prix circuit it basically is well yeah, no, yeah yeah that is what like, it is yeah. the road that connects two villages isn't it but yeah yeah, um, Imola, just a bit of a damp squib for me, to be honest. I, uh, some interesting things happened, but uh, uh, am I interested in going back there? Nah, not really. I'm sort of the same, not compared to some of the other ones on this list. Yeah, I, th- I mean, for me, I think it'd be one of those that it's an occasional visit, not a permanent thing. Because it is nice to yeah. see them going around a circuit like that because it shows mm. the, the potential of the cars, I think. but And I, I, I can assure you it probably a much better experience if you could be there to see it. Yeah, oh, I can I, imagine yeah. that's an amazing circuit to visit and take an F1 car in mm. um, on track compared to some of the others uh, because it, it does feel a little bit more intimate, I guess, because of the nature of the circuit. You feel like you're kind of there and part of it, whereas sometimes in circuits with huge grandstands and stuff, you can feel a bit more absent, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. But yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. that... It, there's potential for it, but mm. maybe not as a permanent return maybe, to the calendar. Maybe Imola gets the uh, the award for the most scenic racetrack of the year because it was. Beautiful. I mean, Magello though. Magello's just like Magello's, yeah, pretty beautiful. Like cool, on but rolling thought, hills. Yeah, but I thought with Imola, you had all the trees in the local village around, and like the the river going along, and like <laughs> it was like that time of year when all the leaves are starting to turn golden as well. I just yeah, thought, it was nice. Visually, it looked very, very pretty yeah. as a racetrack compared to, say, Portimao in the middle of a f- kind of a field, a hilly field. Yeah. yeah. Like most okay. of the seconds. <laughs> Speaking of Portimao, how do we feel about that one? I mean, I'm I'm kind of still hopeful this maybe takes the um, to-be-confirmed slot on the calendar, which, as the rumours suggest it may. Yeah. This this was probably the one that I want to see the most on all fronts. Like I, I can't think of anything particularly negative about this one. Yeah, I yeah, thought it was a I, rad circuit. Yeah, I loved it. Like, yes, the racing was spiced up by kind of the weather conditions, but I think even without that, it would have been yeah an excellent race. Um, and it's such a cool circuit. It is like when you watch the onboards and they're going over these like blind crests and stuff. It's just yeah. A very exciting place to watch race cars. Some of the big braking zones, like downhill, and that you know they come down the hill and they're on the brakes, and the car just slows down so quickly as it descends, yeah, like vertical yeah. descent, like yeah, just some really really interesting shots of a Formula One car, and like it, just the way it un- it's literally like a roller coaster, the way it undulates yeah. up and yeah. down. Um, it must be great fun to drive, and it looks fantastic. I, I think that's what's good about Portimao, particularly, is it appears to have ticked just about all the boxes like it's enjoyable to watch it's got good variation it allows for some decent racing and the drivers enjoy it 
Like, yeah. It's, yeah. it seems to have ticked something across the board, whereas sometimes you'll get tracks that are good for us to watch as spectators, but the drivers hate them for whatever reason. Um, and then vice versa, there's tracks that the drivers absolutely love, but it doesn't produce good racing for us as spectators. Mm. And it, this one feels like probably the only one out of the, at least out of these new circuits that ticked every single box on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can agree with that. Next, the one we were most excited about, <laughs> Istanbul Park. <laughs> I have such mixed feelings about this one. Yeah. And we it do. was such a weird weekend, wasn't it? For all kinds of reasons. Mm. It's, it's very weird ha- having people say things like, oh, I can see why you were so excited about Istanbul Park now. And I was like, yeah, but this is not why I was excited yeah. about <laughs> Istanbul Park. These are Park. the reasons, yeah. These are, this isn't it. Like, I, I'd, I'd like them to get another chance to, again, a little bit like Mugello, like see what happens on a bit of a more normal, air quotes, weekend <laughs> without the chaos yeah. of that track, uh, track surface. Yeah, same. It's as, as good as a race that was. I was, I came away a little disappointed that we didn't get to see that circuit like at its absolute best. Yeah, which we've like we've seen in the past. Yeah, it looked yeah. really shaky for the drivers for me. Yeah, um, having seen cars go around there at full tilt, and then to see these cars literally skating around it like it's an <laughs> yeah. ice circuit. Was I mean, just, it's it, one it's closest to an ice race that we could pro- probably get in a Formula yeah. One car. <laughs> I mean, it was one of, if not the only track this year that didn't have the uh, lap record broken, wasn't it? Yeah, probably. Purely just because of oh, the yeah, weird circumstances of it. Yeah. I mean, I think that I probably said this during the review episode, but the thing that really highlighted how difficult that track was for them to drive was when um, Martin Brundle took a camera down to the big turn eight, the big like sweeping mm-hmm. sort of quadruple yeah. apex t- uh, corner. Um, and you could see a them lifting, which they wouldn't normally do in normal circumstances. But b as well as they got round that final part, you could just see the car squirming as they were as they were trying to get the power down and get out of that on the long straight down to turn nine. And I was thinking, what, wow, that really highlights like yeah. how difficult this surface is because of how much they're struggling in this era yeah. of car on a corner like that. Because those cars should be able to be foot to the floor on rails yeah. through there. Yeah, that's a yeah, breaking neck theory. corner. That that's a yeah, yeah. Absolutely, you know, your head's gonna come off your shoulders if you go around full throttle, and it just wasn't wasn't the uh, wasn't the case. Yeah. <laughs> Next on the list is the Bahrain outer loop, the oval, not oval. Yeah, I don't know why mm. they keep calling it an oval. It's, it's just not, is it? It's not an oval, um, but outer <laughs> loop. I'm, I'm on board with and i actually you know what i thought it was cool i don't know it, again different f- varied reasons you know george russell's shot at, um driving the mercedes should have <laughs> should have been a, a a fairy tale and it turned into a just a really you know dy- dystopic <laughs> <laughs> kind of apocalypse for him but um i thought the racing there was was good it was interesting there was a lot of overtaking there was a lot of Lots happened. It was it was really fast as well. I think it's the fastest we've seen the car bar yeah. Imola. Like it's good to see Formula One cars going really, really, really fast. Do you mean Monza? Uh, Monza, sorry. What did I say? Imola. 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 <laughs> Definitely not that. No, it's not that. <laughs> um, 
yeah, it's good to see Formula One cars going really, 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 really fast. And the only the only place like I feel like on the calendar that you really get a true sense of the absolute raw speed on a Formula One car is actually Monaco because they're so close to the walls and the barriers, and you've got good frames of reference around. Yeah. To, to and everything's whizzing past the, when you're on the onboard cameras. Um, yeah. And But I felt like Bahrain almost gave you that as well. The outer loop almost gave you that same sensation because they're just everything was just coming at them so quick. Each corner was coming so fast and it was yeah. just oh, like a, a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, <laughs> just like a... a overload a sensation overload almost watching the onboard yeah crazy especially through that sort of middle sector like that was properly they always looked like they were going into that middle sector too fast to make the corners yeah. it, it's it's funny actually that you make a, a comparison to monaco to a degree because one of the um one of my favorite camera angles in f1 is the one where they've got like the the head-on shot of the swimming pool at yeah. Monaco, and you it's just see that through, car yeah, yeah. come flying through and just flip. Like it's, it's just an amazing thing to see. And I feel like we got a couple of angles of that little um, chicane on the outer loop that's in that middle sector that made that look and feel very similar. Like yeah. when, like on that lap that Leclerc did in qualifying, where he just got out of the car and went, "Yeah, I'm not doing any better than that." The footage <laughs> of that, the way that he flicked it in and back out, just at at full pelt instantly reminded me of that that same sort of corner mentality at, at Monaco at the swimming pool chicane. So it's yeah. interesting you've made that comparison because mentally mm. at the time I sort yeah. of made a similar one for that well, reason. This, and what an achievement, you know, <clears throat> to to achieve that, to make the cars look that way in a desert. Yeah. Com- and we're comparing yeah. it yeah. to they're going through city streets where things are really close together. These, you know, the, the, the track at um, Bahrain is literally open, nothing around it, and yet the cars still looked crazy, crazy fast. So yeah. that just shows yeah. you how fast they were going around that track. Yeah. And then the final on the list, which, if I'm honest, I had forgotten happened until I came to research this. <laughs> we had a race at the Nürburgring. Yeah. We didn't have a Friday at the Nürburgring, but we had a race there. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I... I still want the the kind of alternate German Grand Prix if we could, yeah, where we could do both of them. Um, and I think it was just monetary reasons that that stopped. Um, so it would be nice to see that again. But that was like that was like a nice bit of variation that I think that this season's made people want more of. Is mm-hmm. let's uh, like the whole like oh let's have some kind of guest spot slots where the race isn't the same one every single season. So there's a, a handful that are are open and, and can move around and be in different locations. And yeah. I think that the German Grand Prix used to offer us that in the first place anyway, because they used to alternate for financial reasons. So it would be nice to see that happen again. I, I Well, I think you've just hit on something there that like Formula One's really lacking year on year, and that is variation. And this what this mm. year has shown us above all else is that um, the the calendar really does lack a bit of variation and it's so exciting to see these cars going to places that we've never seen them before or going to yeah. parts of the track that we've never seen them go to yeah. before. So, you know, maybe it's a bit of a wake-up call for Formula One to allow, A, the tracks to sort of maybe try some new variations of the tracks, which is doable on most tracks. 
and B, yeah, like you say, go to some, you know, open up some slots as more varied uh, where, yeah. you, where maybe there's like a, a wild card spot each year and you don't find out which track you're going to. I mean, they'd hate, you. <laughs> they'd hate us for this. This is never going to happen, but there's a wild card spot each year and there's a list, there's a lottery almost, and it could be any <laughs> one of those tracks that they end up going to. Maybe me and maybe they define that at the start of the season. Or maybe there's a big ceremony around what the wildcard track's going to be. Yeah. There's a whole like cool angle you could do with that kind of thing. Yeah, totally. yeah definitely. Um, it, and it'd be a way of getting the fans excited and, you know, any one of these tracks really, like maybe not Imola, but like all all the other configurations of track there for me have been absolutely fantastic. Mm. Yeah. It, I think that is one of the biggest takeaways this year is that we've had this modeling F1 for decades now where there's this list of circuits that have long-term contracts and year on year you'll see maybe one or two changes. But there's just this library of other racetracks out there that are just fantastic places to go. And F1's really missing out by not going to a lot of them. And yeah, the, the model of having this quite static calendar just seems really... Outdated. It doesn't feel like, yeah, it feels, feels very outdated. And yeah, I'd love there to be one or two. Like, I'm not saying we need to go back to these circuits every single year because, you know, there is a financial part to it. There's always going to be that makes it very contract, difficult. contract obligations as well. Lots of contracts. But... So steps, even now, we're still suffering from the Bernie era. Yeah, from, exactly. From all that. Yeah. But if we're going to have a, what is it, 23 races next season, they're talking about wanting to go up to 25 in the future. Like if you're going to do that, then make a couple of them like these wild card slots that rotate between circuits because it it just adds so much more excitement rather than yeah. oh I guess we're back or, at Sochi again yeah yeah or, 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 or I mean as Saudi well Arabia that doesn't even have a racetrack mm. yeah. yeah I mean the other thing you can do as well is is the double headers I, I think there was mm. moderate success to good success with yeah I really enjoyed the double them. headers like we they tried a few different things at each of them. Well, I mean, they didn't really try anything in Austria. They just got different weather. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. I mean, Silverstone, we tried different compounds. And obviously, Bahrain, we tried a different layout of the circuit. I think if you can find circuits that can offer that potential, then, yeah, get a 25-race season, but do it with the aid of these double headers that will provide you with, like, race back-to-back weekends and stop the the mad double and triple headers where you've got to travel halfway across a continent or something to get to another country to do back-to-back races like do it at a circuit where nobody has to move and it's it's easier on everyone involved essentially yeah completely mm. um, the only like obviously i mean i'm always going to look at that from the standpoint of someone who works for formula one and difficulty around doing double headers i think like the the limiting factor of of how many races you can have on the calendar is just there's only so many people who you can employ to do to do the job to do these double headers it's such a high demand to get people you know especially triple i know you're saying like ditch triple headers but to, to illustrate how hard it is like it's very difficult to staff for those kinds of things because not only are the the races back to back, but often it's really, really varied shifts. Like you might be working till, you know, three, four in the morning for one race. And then next week you're on, uh, you know, the races at two in the afternoon. So and, and yeah. you'll be working till, you know, just maybe eight o'clock at night. 
So it's kind of it's hard on the staff at back home to to There's deal with to those kinds of things. And then that's not even taken into account, you know, the teams and all the staff that are part of the circus who are going around. Yeah. Away from their families for months. Yeah, and it's months like half time. your life on the road, isn't it? it really is, yeah, yeah. So then, if we're going to pick one, if you had to pick one of those Oof. six circuits to put on the calendar again next year, which one would you go for? Portimao. Stu? Um, I'm going to go all except Imola. Can I do that? No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. um, Can I just pick the one I don't want? <laughs> okay. Circuit um, we least want to see again. Or okay, so circuit to go in the... In the uh, what the what is it the TBC slot isn't it because that's yeah, yeah if, one of, the, is, if yeah. one of these circuits was to get that TBC slot which would you want it to be okay so my one that's going in the TBC slot is probably Portimao but okay. I also want to get rid of the regular Bahrain Grand Prix track <laughs> do the outer loop, again with the outer loop. yeah yeah let's do that. I mean, that's another thing you could do, though. Like, circuits that you schedule to go to every single year, who's saying you've got to do the same layout exactly. every single yeah, year? Yeah, exactly. Just go, go to the circuit, yes, but use one of the alternate layout. Like, I almost Why wouldn't not? mind them bringing back the Bahrain, what do they call it, the endurance, like no. the big, like, over oh, oh, Chris, you're going too far <laughs> no, now. Yeah, okay, that, I've gone too far. That, that that no, too far. No, no. No, Chris, I, no. <laughs> do you know what I realised, right, when we talked about that briefly the other week, and... When I went back and looked at it after we'd finished the episode, I was always under the impression that the first three races were all on that circuit, but it's just that one of them was on that circuit and it felt like it took so long and was so boring <laughs> that I thought I'd watched it three times. That's how bad it was. Yeah, it was just the one, wasn't it? It was just the one. Yeah, I thought for some one. reason I thought the first three races were all the endurance circuit, but no. two were the normal one. Then they swapped it. Then they realised how bad it was. So then they just yeah, put it back. it was only one. Right, it was Jensen Button and um, Sergio Perez had their um, calm him down moment around that circuit. Yes, yeah. yeah. It was um, it was the first year when um, what was it, Virgin Caterham? Yes, and it, HRT it was the three joined. new teams. Yeah. And it was like they were like six more cars. How are we going to fit them on a circuit? We'll have to use the <laughs> biggest possible circuit we've got. Yeah, panic. Yeah. <laughs> Returning to the award, though, we are against all odds in complete agreement on this because Portimao is my choice as well. Yeah, and congrats, Portimao. And there's actually a chance it might happen if rumours to be believed as well. We yeah, might actually yeah, be back yeah. there in a few months' time. So, for once, they're going to please us, which would be amazing. Yeah. We're going to take a quick moment now to tell you about this week's sponsor, which is Manscaped. Manscaped make a range of male grooming products, which they very kindly sent us a sample of, which I think we've all been enjoying using from what you guys have said to me. Yeah, very much so. It's been great. The star of the show, I guess, the Lawnmower 3.0 with the all-important <laughs> skin-safe technology. What does it do, Chris? What does? <laughs> I'm trying to decide how much we talk about genitalia, given that we're like a borderline family-friendly podcast. The, ca- the catchphrase is, your balls will thank you. And I can tell you already that my balls have thanked me. I'm glad to hear it. I guess to like keep it in phrasing with, with our usual content, you don't want to have any accidents when you're out in the runoff area. <laughs> manscaped keep uh keep the chance of accidents to an absolute minimum no punctures of the manscaped no. around your knackers <laughs> it's also got a light on it i guess if you yeah. want to do some 24 hour endurance 
manscaping. <laughs> <laughs> they also do the weed whacker, which I, I would never have gone out and bought myself a nose hair trimmer, but now I have one. It's like a game changer. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of a way to make it F1 related now. Yeah, I'm struggling me. with the nose hair trimmer for <laughs> F1 related. <laughs> to be fair, it is actually genuinely a really good product. Yes, joking aside. I used all the stuff, all the potions. It comes with a couple of potions as well, which are really, really refreshing. I like that you call them potions. Do they refer to them as potions? Or I don't know what they, I can't remember what they refer to them as. The toner and the deodorant and stuff. That's the one, yeah, toner and deodorant. Yeah. They're both really freshening and yeah, they made my girlfriend really happy. <laughs> <laughs> the bag that comes with it as well is really, really good. I would stress to point out as well, the, um, the package in question as a whole is called the performance package. So if yes. you want the package that's got everything that we've talked about, the lawnmower, the weed whacker, Stu's magic potions. Toiletry bag, toiletry bag in there. And of course, you can get money off if you use code BOTG. Yeah, so if you head to manscaped.com uh, and use the code BOTG at the checkout, you can get 20% off and free shipping. And yeah, all joking aside, like genuinely can't recommend this stuff enough. It's it's really, really good. If you want your balls to feel slicker than a new set of Pirellis, try <laughs> Manscaped. <laughs> your balls will thank you. Your balls will thank you. Next, <laughs> the Luca Badoro Award for the best standing driver performance. So Oof. for this, we've got Nico Hulkenberg. He obviously stood in three times, uh, twice for Perez and once for Stroll at Racing Point. Jack Aitken stood in for George Russell at the first, no the second Bahrain race. Yeah. Pietro Fittipaldi did the final two races of the season in place of Roman Grosjean. And then I think we can include George Russell in this as well because he was very much a standing driver for that race yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's, I think it's only fair to include him in the mix. I agree. Uh, it's a tough one between him and Hulkenberg, really, isn't it? I think I was Jack about Aitken to say and that. Fittipaldi you can kind of just sort of dismiss. But they, yeah. they did... They didn't, Solid good jobs, jobs under the circumstances, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, if we're rewarding awards... Yeah, then... Russell and Hulkenberg, I think it's fair to say both did pretty spectacular jobs under the circumstances they were in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I will probably upset both of you by saying I'd lean more towards Hulkenberg just because he wasn't even in the car for the most part of the season, whereas... Russell was just stepping up to better machinery when he'd already been performing very well in his below average machinery. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's less of a... You, you expect more of him, basically, is what I'm getting at, I guess. Like, people expected him to be within the first two, three in mm. that race. Um, mm -hmm. And it would have been if it wasn't for the unluckiness of the puncture and stuff and the, the pit stops. Yeah. So um, I'm... Well, I... Yeah, I'm not going to agree with that, obviously. I'm going to go for it. <laughs> I'm trying I'm to be like diplomatic about know, it or whatever the know, word I is. I I'm just, I'm so much more towards George Russell because he's going up against a, someone who's been driving that car all season. And, you know, he yeah. had shoes on that didn't fit. <laughs> he had, <laughs> he didn't, he literally didn't fit into the car. And yet he still managed to beat the driver who had been driving that car all season. And I think even though he's had a lot of practice in driving F1 cars all season, the difference between the Williams... I mean, you don't get much more different than those two cars yeah, exactly, going from yeah. the back of the grid to the front of the grid. So you might as well have been driving a Formula 2 car all season to go to the Mercedes. So um, George Russell gets my vote for that. It's a really hard deciding one, isn't it? Vote, like... Deciding vote, Chris. Like I forgot. Deciding, that. deciding vote goes to the guy who sits on the fence. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's almost like we engineered <laughs> I, it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that 
just telepathically we do this on purpose, dude. Oh, just yeah, yeah. I, think think so. I think so. <laughs> I do you know what? I think I'm gonna go Hulkenberg. Oh, I think I, would, the, I think the thing that swung it for me is I'd forgotten till I just looked that second weekend at Silverstone he qualified third. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. he was the Mercedes and then him. Like that is unbelievable under the circumstances. It's it's a really really tight thing between the two, but I think I am going to lean towards Hulkenberg as well. Okay, that's I'm disappointed. Sorry, George. I'm disappointed, but that's that's very good, re- strong reasoning. I, I mean, to be fair, I was really on the fence about both, so it's a very difficult one to choose. It's a very difficult one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Congratulations, Nico Hulkenberg. Yeah. Next nice. award, the we're going to get into the awards that we uh, give out every week after the races. Now, the first one's going to be the Daniel Ricciardo Award for most Move of the Day awards. Uh, I've already crunched the numbers on these. Would you like to have a guess at who we've given the most move of the day awards to? I thought about this without looking and I thought maybe Science. I feel like Science came up a lot in this. Yeah, I think either Science or Russell. Uh, Norris, sorry, Norris. Science we actually only gave it to once. I think he was in the conversation a lot, but we only actually gave him move of the day once all season. Maybe Norris then? Do you want to, shall I, shall I go through the list? Yeah. Give you the, what the are people that have had it? Yeah. Are so yeah. reverse order or? Yeah, we've got reverse order. So Ricardo, Ocon, Verstappen, Vettel, Sainz and Russell got one apiece. Okay. Gasly, Albon and Leclerc got two each. Mm-hmm. We okay. gave three to Perez and it oh. was Norris with the most. We gave Norris move uh, of the day four that, times throughout the season. Was, that was my follow-up suggestion after Sainz, yeah. Yeah. Um... It's it's interesting because af- I I wouldn't say after Norris's first season that being a spectacular overtaker was necessarily the thing he stood out for, but I think that's an area he's really moved on a lot in his second season. Do you do you do you have in front of you which ones our reasoning for giving him for like which ones were the ones I can tell him? you which races it was at, but I don't have the exact moves written down. Let's do the races then. Uh, we gave so Norris got a move of the day at uh, in Hungary. Okay. The first Silverstone race, yeah. uh, Spain, and Monza. And I don't remember any of them. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> they were that good. We've forgotten them all. Honestly, yeah. I I can't remember any like good overtakes any earlier than like the second Bahrain race if I'm completely yeah, honest I'm with you so much happens it's just impossible to keep track without watching a top 10 video then yeah <laughs> another solid top 10 yeah <laughs> um, but yeah Norris was the the overtaker we were most impressed with this season uh, yes. how about driver of the day awards who do you think we gave the most driver of the days to Perez I'm going to go um Norris again, I think. So it was it's actually gonna like Hulkenberg. It's <laughs> going to be science. <laughs> no, I've gone the wrong way around. We, we spread this award like quite far across the grid throughout the year. Actually, <laughs> really? it's not like Every, we favoured everybody one or gets the dri- best driver of the day. It's award. not far <laughs> off, honestly. So one apiece to Magnussen, Ricardo. What Norris? <laughs> Albon, Giovinazzi, Sainz, Russell, Verstappen, and Alan van der Merveni and Roberts. <laughs> um, <laughs> we gave two to Perez, Hamilton, Hulkenberg, and Stroll. 
believe it or not. Wow. Hulkenberg um, participates in three races and gets two drivers a day. That's yeah. a good record. 66%. Hulkenberg definitely takes it on hit rate. Yeah. But the most, we gave three driver day awards to Pierre Gasly. Oh, oh, that makes sense. Um, Belgium, <laughs> Italy, and Portugal, we gave them. Italy, Can I have some clarification on why we gave it Magnussen? Because for his season overall, I can't think why. <laughs> Magnussen, uh, actually, it was the Hungarian really? Grand Prix. Stroll and Magnussen, we like let them share the award in Hungary. Because um, if you remember rightly, in Hungary... Has pitted their guys at the end of the formation lap, so he like inherited oh, third yeah. place really early on, and then like managed to hold off faster cars for like a massive portion of the race. So we yes I gave him the co award with Stroll for that one. Yeah, mm. I mean with that car as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fair enough. Um, but yeah, Pierre Gasly most driver of the day awards, yeah. and then I don't know if you got the soundbite ready, Tom. Uh, is it this one you want? Honestly, what the are we doing here? That is the one I want, yes. <laughs> wow. So, shall I tell you what we gave them for this season and we can pick our favourite one? Yes, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Yes. So, Austria, Ferrari for just being awful. Yeah. Styria was Leclerc for ruining Ferrari's whole weekend at turn two. Yeah. Hungary for Verstappen binning it on the way to the grid and then still managing to finish second. Hmm. <laughs> British Grand Prix was Hamilton winning on three wheels. Yeah, that was a great one. 70th anniversary Grand Prix was Magnussen for sideswiping Latifi, which was a nasty one, if you remember that. Yeah. Uh, Spa was Leclerc for driving round without seatbelts. Sorry, Spain, not Spa. Spain, <laughs> SPA yes, stands Spain. for Spain, not Spa. <laughs> uh, Spa in Belgium was <laughs> Ferrari for being the only team to get slower from 2019. <laughs> Italy was everyone forgetting each other's way in Q1. <laughs> oh, that was ridiculous. That was, that was that mad. Was, that was absolutely yep. stupid. That was so ridiculous. Uh, Mugello was obviously the restart pileup. Yeah, yeah. Russia was signs for just driving into a wall. Yeah, <laughs> that was a really hairy moment, wasn't it, that one? It really was. In hindsight, like, in hindsight, looking at that one compared to... You know some of the events that we saw later in the season. That's actually a really scary accident. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Eiffel Grand Prix was Danny Ricardo for not doing a shoey at his first podium in years. <laughs> yeah. Portugal stroll for just having a weirdly terrible weekend. Mm. Uh, yeah. Imola was stroll again for hitting his front jackman as like a way to cap off another awful weekend. Yeah, two in a row. Turkey was just the whole event for being weird. Turkey was just the track. <laughs> yeah, basically. Bahrain was a dog on the track for the second race in a row. Sakir, <laughs> 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 Mercedes, pit calamity. And then Abu Dhabi was Perez's uh, Christmas-themed lift back to the pits after he retired. <laughs> <laughs> so which of those oh. is your favourite, your most WTF of the year? I think the, the the lasting image of all of them is the restart from Magello. But, I mean, that that's the thing that I'll always kind of remember. As soon as you say Magello to me now, I think of that incident. Yeah. Um, so, that, I mean, that's definitely up there. I think, I think there were some it, great comedy moments. Italy, Italy qualifying. Italy qualifying. Yeah, that was, just, that was that was yeah. daft. 
so I mean, ridiculous. That, it's been bad for years, but that was exceptional. Yeah, wasn't that it? was a whole new level season. of ridiculous. I think even for Formula One, that was absolutely bonkers. <laughs> it really was. I think for me, if there's one image that kind of sums up this season, it's Hamilton winning a race with three wheels. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, a macrocosm of the whole year. For it's, him, it, it? Yeah, it's a very Formula One in 2020 thing to happen, isn't it? Yeah, just absolutely invincible. Um, do we have to choose between the three as a winner from that? I guess so, yeah. if I mean, if I were to pick one of your twos... Yeah. I'd maybe say the Monza qualifying. Okay, if I had to pick one of your twos, what was yours again, Chris? Mine was Hamilton winning on three wheels. Hamilton three wheels, and yours, Tom, was the Magello restart. Magello restart. I'm Magello restart. I'm gonna I'm gonna mess this up for everyone. And if I had to pick one of the other two. I'm going to really mess it up by going oh. on three wheels, man. So we've got a three-way tie. <laughs> we've, got a free, we've got a three-way tie. Got. Well, I mean, is, is that not in its own way within the spirit of that award? It is. <laughs> the fact that it, we can't even pick one. Yeah. Yeah. I, can I mean, I think I think that, that that covers like three bases of what WTF is as well. So I think that it kind of... It's, yeah. op- it's apt for the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. You do get like a, a sense of just how mad things, how cra- how such crazy things can happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like if anyone ever said, "Oh, Formula One's boring," just show them them three moments, and they'd be like, "What?" Like, <laughs> like show them the highlights from pretty much any race this season, and true, yeah, you'll show them otherwise. Even at yeah. Abu Dhabi, except Abu Dhabi, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What don't we talk about? The season ended in Bahrain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll let them all share that then. I think that's only fair. Yeah. Yeah. Next, the Juan Pablo Montoro Award for the most likely to succeed after F1. So we've got four drivers we're losing at the end of this season. Uh, Kevin Magnussen, Roman Grosjean, Daniel Kvyat and Alex Albon all won't be on the grid next year. Hmm. We only really know what two of them are going to be doing. Albon, as we said, is going to be taking a test and reserve role within Red Bull. And Magnussen is off to do uh, endurance racing in America. He's going to be uh, debuting in the Daytona 24 in it's next month, isn't it? It's like right at the start of the year, the yeah, Daytona 24. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Early doors. I, I think that's probably going to suit Magnussen well. I think I can see him being fairly successful there. Yeah, it'd be a much easier car to drive than the Haas. It'd be much more comfortable as well. Yeah. I mean, he said himself that he's reached a point now where he, he just wants to go do something different because he wants the winning feeling back. Like mm. he said he he said he'd had his highs in F one really early, like obviously when he first came into the the sport with um, McLaren. Yeah. Picking up that podium. Like he's been there and now he's experienced this down here. He just doesn't want any more of that. Like he wants to be winning in something. And if that means leaving F1 and he's not going to get a better seat, then that's what he's going to do. Um, so I think he's, he's driving his mentality is right to go do something like that. And I think yeah. that'll probably help him be even more successful than it potentially normally would. Just because he's got that, that he's, he's clearly still got that drive of if I can't get a seat in a winning car, I'm going to go find someone in another 
um, like form of motorsport that will give yeah, me that series, opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he's going to be driving for Chip Ganassi, which is a, a solid yeah. team to be part of as well. Yeah, I mean, um, he shows he's still respected within motorsport circles as well outside yeah, of completely. F1 because for for a team like that to take him on coming out of F1, that's that's a good um, that's a good contract to pick yeah. up. I think that's the yeah. that's the Haas connection is what that is. Um, yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I I probably lean, of that list. I probably lean towards Magnussen's being yeah most likely to have continued success in motor racing. Yeah. I guess after. After I mean, <clears throat> Grosjean has talked in the past about doing IndyCar, but I think he maybe even has said something to kind of uh, suggest that after his crash, he's that's something he's probably going to reconsider. Um, yeah. I mean, the guy's already written a cookbook, and that's before he had a life-threatening... Accident, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> um, see, I'm not sure why I can see Grosjean doing, to be I honest. Could, I don't know why, but for some reason I could see him in... Black in World Endurance. Well, we know Peugeot are joining. It's not mm. next season, the season after, isn't it? Um, I think Grosjean, Grosjean doing World Endurance for Peugeot, that seems like a good fit. I can see that happening. Yeah. Um, Kvyat, I don't really know. I mean, when he had a year out before, he was doing um, sim work for Ferrari, wasn't yeah, he? he? Yeah. Was, yeah. I can see him maybe slipping back into that role. <laughs> I mean, look at where that car went after he simmed it, though. <laughs> <laughs> do they want him back I don't think they'll have him back your feedback was trash Danny get out um, album with the greatest will in the world I'm not sure I can see a path back to F1 for him unfortunately at least not within the Red Bull program well not yeah. in the immediate future no um, but you know who knows I mean, he's, he's, he's definitely got the goods he's just been up against someone who's not sort of really easy i still believe that has been in a car that's not suited for anyone in the world but yeah. max verstappen and i think mm. we'll, that we'll see that play out next season as well it might, that's what my heart of hearts says i'd hate to see perez in that seat next year and not do well but sadly i think that's the way it's going to go because that car is just not fit for anyone else but max verstappen yeah um, so albon he's got his whole life ahead of him. He's got a long career ahead of him in motorsport. Um, anyone who drives for Formula One at the top is going to go away and do well after whatever they do. Um, is his career going to be as glittering maybe as what... Uh, it's between him and Magnussen really for me. And I think Magnussen's probably got the more likely candidate for prolonged success in motorsport. I, think yeah. I can really yeah. see him as like... Going for years and years and years, whereas yeah, Alban, completely agree. Right now, yeah. I think he's a bit young to make that assessment about him. I think a lot can still happen mm. in his career that could send it either way. So, um, I'm going to vote Magnussen. Yeah, yeah. actually, um, yeah, Magnussen. His dad has uh, mentioned a few times about how much he'd like to do uh, the mom one day with the two of them driving the same car because yeah. he's that'd still very much. Yeah, I think that'd be a really cool thing to see. Mm. Um, can you imagine like? Oh no, the, the Hill Suns don't really race anymore, do they? they no, they don't. In. But at least the Br the Brundle pair could could do it yeah. as well. The Magnusons versus the Brundles. That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm with you on that though, Kerry Magnusson, definitely. It's still a bright future for him, I think. Uh, yeah. Next award, surprise of the season. I think this can be absolutely anything, oh and there's God. a lot of 
a lot of potential things here. I mean, we've had drive moves, we've had circuits being added, we've had surprise results. Um, I'm going to open the floor on this one, What whatever springs to mind. Oof. I mean, I'm guessing we're talking more like pleasant surprise here rather than WTF surprise, I, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I so, think so. I mean, positive. on that... Try and, try and be positive. Yeah, I think, I think on that front, it's the Gasly and... Perez wins for me probably, because mm-hmm. um, it's it's not often that we see somebody outside those top teams win, and to have two in a single season is even more probably more special. Mm-hmm. And for the two drivers that it was, I think th- th- there's a lot of factors that build up in that for me. Like we don't always see it. We've we've actually got two in a season, and it's Perez who's kind of had multiple podiums and have finally got that top step and for Gasly it's a guy who really performed struggled in that step up but then has gone back down to um Alpha Tauri and, and like outperformed that car in my opinion and that shows an example of just how well he can drive. So I think I think those two wins for me are are definitely up there as pleasant surprises for this season. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think the thing this year that surprised me the most was when we had that day of driver moves before the season had even started kind of out of nowhere ferrari were like oh by the way vel's leaving and then we just had this cascade of driver moves like yeah so, uh, some of them like ricardo going to mclaren i think wasn't a massive surprise because we know they had sort of had conversation in the past and stuff but i think signs going to ferrari was a pretty big surprise for most people yeah um yeah but that just that whole day of like out of nowhere with next to no warning, just sort of like half the grid seemed to move around. Yeah, mm. and the season had had it even started yet, or had it barely started? No, well, well, they'd all gone to Australia, then all gone home again, and it was oh, before that was it. Yeah. they had sort of gone off to Austria. Yeah, yeah, I was actually in Australia at the time. Oh yeah, happened. you were. Yeah, God, that feels like a very long time ago. Yeah, I'll tell you, it doesn't to me. Thinking back to that day, <laughs> trying to get back. Um, <laughs> It's hard. It's a really hard question. This, I think. I think you know what that just how uh, this. I'm I'm going to throw the negative one into the onto the table here, but oh no, just how bad Ferrari were at the start of the season. I mean, yeah. When I saw this category, that was where I was going to go. Is like how bad that Ferrari's been. Um, but we did. I, I mean, I I would rather be positive if I can. Yeah. I mean, I. If we weren't picking from existing WTFs of the season, my WTF of the season probably would have been how bad has that Ferrari been? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so a positive because he's it, made Haas and people and Alpha suffer as well, and like yeah. Haas have essentially become the worst team because of that Ferrari engine. Yeah. So, but they're confident about their engine for next season, though. So they're very that's, confident that's, about that's the engine. Positive to take. Um, and a positive one then. Uh, Probably Perez's win. I think that I, I wasn't yeah. expecting. I thought they'd. I, I was saying all season that they should be getting podiums, but for them to actually beat the Mercedes, albeit under pretty crazy circumstances, for them to come out of the season with a win, I think is something they deserve. And I am a little bit surprised by it. So that's probably my surprise. The Perez win, and yeah. it, obviously it's done Perez a world of good and got him. In, yeah, that's what's got him into the Red Bull seat. There's no doubt about that in my mind. So yeah. And he, yeah. he's 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 had a good season overall, though. On top of that, as well, hasn't he? Like he's he's had podium, and he ought, he should have had another one in the first race at Bahrain, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The first race at Bahrain. Yeah, yeah. First race in Bahrain when his engine popped. Yeah. So yeah, he's had a good season. 
How about for surprise of the season, the moment they took the sheet off the racing point and everyone went, hang on a second. <laughs> that looks familiar. I'm surprised. <laughs> that was very surprising. Wait, wait, surprise of the season, trophy bots for the podium. <laughs> trophy bots, yeah. Would, yeah they surprised they me. They that idea, didn't they, quite quickly. <laughs> very yeah, swiftly. That was, that was good. I enjoyed the trophy bots. Actually, I think Norris getting a podium in the first race, that was a, that was a hell of a surprise. That, yeah, that was a good surprise, yeah. Especially in the, the manner in which he pulled it off as well. Yeah. Okay. So um, what, what are we having? What's your, do we have to have one, or is it just one each? The thing, let's let's try and pick one. The one that stood out for me was definitely that day of driver movement before we'd even started the season. Yeah, I mm. could give that a vote. Um, uh, I, I, I'd feel bad for Perez. <laughs> then again, Perez is probably well, hopefully, going to be with a chance of plenty more podiums next season. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. We, we and plenty more awards before we finish this podcast as well. Yeah, we actually shouldn't be surprised that Perez. It's the, no, it's that's kind true. Of a actually, we yeah. shouldn't be surprised that he got a podium and got wins because he was in yeah. a car that was clearly capable of it, and he's a very capable driver. So, okay, then driver swaps. M- madness of driver moves. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's get into the big ones. Race of the year. Difficult. Very difficult. Mm. There have been some really strong candidates. Um, I don't know where to start. Let's go down the list, shall we? Uh, I mean, the the which which version of it was the seventh year? No, it was the first Grand Prix, wasn't it? Where Lewis won with the exploded tire. It was, a fir- it was the first British GP. The yes, British he was. Because the, the second one, uh, Verstappen won. Mm. It could be that one then, that second one. That Yeah, I mean, both of the Silverstone races were fantastic. Yeah. Mm. That first race in Austria was extremely exciting. Yeah, the first race of the season was a really good one. Yeah. I God, mean, there's so Italy. Long, so long ago. Um, it does. Italy was another one with stuff going all over the place, and we didn't know who was going to win that race until the final lap. Which Actually, yeah, very often. Yeah, Monza was was very good for that. Um, Portugal was a fantastic race again. Lots to keep an eye on there. Mm. It was really exciting to watch. I think Portugal was the best. Sakia for another completely different set of reasons. I th- I think for me it's Monza. I think just for the for the fact that we just didn't know what was going to happen right down to the last moment. Yeah, I think that tips it for me. Mm. I think because it was linked to one of my surprises of the season, which was Gasly winning, I'd second Monza. I think I think we got a win in them. Go to yeah. win it. I go for Monza. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to. <laughs> Cool. How about team of the year? Oh, McLaren. I mean, <laughs> straight in, straight in there. Yeah, they've, they've done a lot with. They've had the best driver lineup, and they've made the best use of it by having maybe conserving some of their development for next year or the year after with limited resource compared to some of their competitors around them. They've maximized <clears throat> much more than any of the teams have. Um, obviously Mercedes are, are, are going to be most people's team of the year because they won the championship really easily and made the best car. Yeah. But they did 
come out with some of the you know maybe one of maybe the, the gap of the year of all the all the teams to throw away a race win the way they did in in I mean uh, in Bahrain was probably like the top three gaffes of the year to be honest like they they made a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes this yeah. year like there was the whole pit entry thing in Monza yeah there was the pit exit thing in Russia which yeah. I mean that was oh, more how just fought on the team yeah, yeah. still stupid yeah. Um, it's difficult. Like I it, the McLaren one, as much as it's a a very good point, I, I like I'm struggling to decide how much of it is Mc, McLaren itself and how much was just how well Sainz and Norris got the best out of that car. Or outperformed it. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's both. I think it's the drivers definitely made the difference in that fight for third, but I think the team did everything they needed to to provide the drivers with what they needed to achieve that, like yeah. strategically and stuff like that. Like they were really on top of it. Um, to to beat Racing Point to third, you know, even, even the fifteen points aside, is it's such an achievement for them. On you yeah. know, McLaren don't have the biggest budget by quite a long way these days. Yeah, they've. They've done a lot with not much. Um, We've done a lot with less than the top three teams. Yeah, well, I think just a sec. Let's not pretend that McLaren aren't absolutely loaded compared to after the rest of the grid because they 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 are, but I think they've got a smaller budget than Racing Point these days. Certainly a smaller budget than Ferrari, who they were way ahead of. Um, Possibly even Renault. Hmm. Racing Point, I think, have been. I mean, I mean, yeah, they've got lots of podiums. They've won a race, but honestly, I think Racing Point have been disappointing this year. I think they've underperformed where they could have been. They've given underperformed where the they, potential, I think, Racing Point. Yeah, given how they left testing, the fact that it took them more than half a season to even get a podium is. Yeah, I I do think that's underachieving for them. Unfortunately, yeah, I agree. I think so. I think they should have been solidly. I think with a better driver lineup, they would have been second in the championship. They should have been. They should have walked third, yeah, and been potentially snapping at Red Bull's heels for second. Yeah, yeah I'd agree with so. that. Yeah. I can go with McLaren as well, though. I think what they've achieved with what they had was very, very impressive. Yeah. What about you, Tom? I, I'm happy to go with McLaren. Like, I, I'm not sure where I'd have gone with it. The, like you say, the obvious one is just for their own dominance, Mercedes, but they've had too many of those mess-ups. Yeah. In, in, over the course of the season that's cost them silly things um, so yeah I'm, I'm more than happy to give it to McLaren nice McLaren it is congrats to them uh, next another very broad one moment of the year wow what, what's, is, what, what could be more broad than moment <laughs> of the year <laughs> what what stands out to you as like the defining moment of the season Please- Please define moment. <laughs> okay, well, just just with that very broad um, criteria, the thing that jumped into my mind was the moment George Russell overtook Valtteri Bottas for the lead of the race at um, at Sakia. Was it Sakia? Yeah, Sakia Circuit at the outer loop. Yeah, um, that overtake was fair enough. They were on, you know, they were on different tires and both their tires were at different stages of their lives and they were never going to collide but i think that was a really elbows out kind of 
chest thumpy overtake that stood out to me as like a pretty huge moment. I really, and it probably had me it, certainly in more, more recent races. It's the one that had me cheering the most. So that's my moment mm, of the year. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say, because I know people are screaming this at their phones right now, that it wasn't actually for the lead. It was for like fourth or fifth but place at the time. Net lead, but still, net, is, is net the, lead, yeah. It would have been it was, the lead. It ultimately, would have been the lead of the race. It, it was a very like, it was a very important moment, wasn't it? It was like, uh, this is me like stamping my authority. This is like, yeah. watch out, Valtteri, I'm coming for your seat kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Um... I think another standout one is just seeing Grosjean walking away from his car. Yeah, I was about, yeah. I was about to say the same thing. I don't know if it's like a a moment of the year, but it was a moment of relief. Let's put yeah. it that way to, to yeah, see him walk away moment. from that. Yeah, yeah, standout moment for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, from, that from was a safety from a safety list, perspective. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. did its job. And, you know, the sequence of events, the way those events unfolded, like every component, every safety component pretty much did its job the way it's designed to um yeah dis- other than obviously the barrier doing what it did but all the all the components on the car did what they're designed to do and and the driver mm-hmm. survived and that was a, yeah. a, a, a very good thing to see and a really big moment for f1 yeah any, any other more? standout ones <laughs> Another one coming um, to mind is is Verstappen up the inside of uh, Stroll in practice for no reason <laughs> <laughs> at, at Portugal. That's like, your moment that of the like, season, right? What there. are you doing? Like, yeah, it was, just, uh, it was definitely my W. If if that was in our WTF list, that'd definitely be up there as my WTF of the year. Yeah, um, I think the the image that has stood out to me for most of the season is like again like an image of the year is after Monza when Pierre Gasly just stayed on the podium kind of on his own yes, and just kind of sat and good. took a yeah. moment to himself like that was a that was one of those that kind of thing doesn't happen every day yeah um, and there's there's another one there's another one that we absolutely have to mention otherwise we will be cancelled and that's mm-hmm. um Hamilton winning the world championship for the yes seventh time seventh time yeah a, um, a rare like proper outpouring of emotion from him yeah at the end of that race seeing him sort of looking vis- visibly overwhelmed was yeah. was mm-hmm. that's definitely a strong image that remains in my mind and also yeah, when really he won was. when he beat Schumacher's record of um of what was it 92 races yeah yeah that was a huge Brilliant. moment too or, or when he equaled this and mick schumacher handed him um, yeah. one of his dad's helmets that was a yeah a really special yeah. one as well and they'll be on the that, grid together next season yeah well in theory hamilton has still not put pen to paper <laughs> at this point <laughs> no, we'll just clarify that <laughs> at this point i feel like it's going to be like day one of testing before they get around to announcing <laughs> hamilton yeah definitely <laughs> Imagine if we get to testing, like, yeah, yeah, Nick DeFries is in the car again. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we called up Stoffel. We called up Stoffel. Bring him in. <laughs> that's all that's kind of reminded me, actually, something I saw online recently. Someone saying that I think one thing that kind of people that aren't into sport and motorsport in particular don't necessarily get is that it's almost more than the sport itself, it's about stories and it's about how those stories kind of play out on and off the track. And this mm-hmm. has definitely been a year of stories. Yeah. Like the Gas- the Gasly one again, I'm, I'm, that's kind of my pick for this because 
the sort of few years that Gaz has been in F1, it's like such a roller coaster of massive highs and massive lows. And for him to go from, we, we literally watched a man go to pretty much rock bottom and to watch him then like turn himself around and then to win that race was like, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a really special thing that you don't see very often. Mm. It's, that's, that's definitely the one for me. Okay. I think that, I think that shot of him on the podium highlights the, the moment of the year vibe, doesn't it? It's the mm. thing that it's a lasting memory that makes you just sit and take stock, I guess. And that is definitely one of them. Yeah. And, and it also highlights just the madness of this season as well, that that can even yeah. happen. Yeah. Big time. Nice. Does and then Gasly gets it. Yeah, Gasly gets yeah. it, which brings us on to the big one, the difficult one that I have no, I still don't know where I stand on this, and that is driver of the year. I can think of at least four drivers you could make yeah. an extremely strong case I, for. I think of one of the strongest is going to be Perez. I think it ought to be at least, just because he's got that to fourth place with two races missed as well. Yeah. If for no other reason, that alone is spectacularly impressive. Yeah. yeah. And to cap it off with a win is... I think it's definitely been Perez's best season in Formula One. I mean, statistically, you would say so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. but I think just in terms of the way he's driven as well, it's been... Yeah. He's been outstanding. I've, yeah, I agree with all that, but I think just... I mean, it's a bit of an obvious one, but it's a it's been a record-breaking season for him, and it's for me, it's got to be Hamilton. Like He's absolutely, yeah. once again dominated this sport in a way that no, no other driver before him ever, ever has. That's categorically, you know, you can't argue with that. It's fact. So it's it's got to be Hamilton, surely. It's, yeah, it's, and I think he's done it in a way this year that sort of, I mean, the argument never will be put to bed, but I don't think he could have done more to get away from the, oh, but it's just the car arguments. Like the manner in which he's gone about winning this year has been he's just been on another level to everyone around him he's hasn't been he? winning races he's had absolutely no business re- winning all season yeah you know? that's the thing yeah. even when he's not had the fastest car he's been up there yeah it's yeah. just been utterly as a driver i mean and i think that i don't think there's a single driver on that grid who doesn't have all the respect in the world for lewis hamilton he's just yeah. outshone every single driver on that grid by he is the shining star of Formula One this season for me. So, well, wasn't it science that we quoted as saying, it, "Yeah, sure, mm-hmm. you could put anyone in that car and they'd, they'd potentially pick up wins, but next to none of them would beat Lewis out yeah. and out over a season." Absolutely, I think it was. Yeah. So, I mean, that yeah, says totally. a lot coming from the other drivers. It shows. This is why I don't get it. Like, yeah, I get fans have the favourites and stuff like that, and some people adore Lewis because that's their guy and some people will hate him because Max or Seb or Charles is their guy yeah. but if the drivers can find the time to have this mutual respect for how good another one of them is yeah can't, can't everybody else like it's just it's sports just, fans it baffles though, me it? it's just it sports just fans me. it's just sports fans having their kind of you know the chest their tribal tribalist kind yeah of... it's always gonna be the way isn't it i mean that's the way sport is you know that's why we love sport because people do uh, people are passionate about it and they are they do get excited and they do get het up about you know their 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 opinions everyone's got an opinion on 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 every sport not just formula one so 
I, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and I know you're not doing it. Like we're not going to sit here and bash people for being sort of vehemently um, fanish of their of their guy. But yeah, it's more about your behaviour towards the other guys. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you could you could be the biggest I don't know Jack Aitken fan in the world, but. <laughs> like all, all season <laughs> most people have done better than Jack Aitken and you've kind of just sometimes got to take, take stock and go yep that's just how it is but yeah, my guy's you... great I love him like that's yeah. it yeah you have to respect what's been achieved whether you're fair yeah. or not yeah uh, just to like mention a few other drivers I guess like Verstappen I think has probably <clears throat> been the second fastest driver for big chunks yeah. of this season um He's definitely also done a few silly things that have taken away from that. Yeah. And same goes for Charles Leclerc, actually. He's in the same boat. He's, there's been some very silly moments from him, but he's also put that car in places it really shouldn't have been. Like, yeah. Some of the results Leclerc has got this season have been yeah. ludicrous. Yeah. So who, I, who, I think I think the clear one is obviously Lewis Hamilton. So we should do an honourable yeah. mention for for the second best one, I think, because Hamilton's such an obvious one, and it has been for a number of years now. So we, who's our honourable mention after uh, after after Hamilton? Um, I almost want to say Pierre Gasly. Interesting. Like from from where he was last year to what he's achieved this year has been like remarkable. He's been really, really impressive this year. I mean, obviously his win was amazing. It was very circumstantial, but it was still very special. He put himself in the position to do it. But even that aside, like his speed, especially compared to Kvyat, like he's quite handily outdone Kvyat, who's he's not the best driver out there, but he's no slouch. Um mm-hmm. I've I've been super impressed with Gasly this year. I think for me, probably Science. I think is my honourable mention. Mm-hmm. He was on I my think, list as well. Yeah, I think despite having you know some of the well that that often um, in Russia the scary one he had in Russia at the start of the race just straight up driving to a wall. I think Science, you know, his performance over a season has been right up there with. What I'd, I'd say right up there, you know, near to the level, or, or sh- definitely showing signs of getting towards a, a world champion sort of level. <laughs> showing signs. signs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I've ruined yeah. it. You've ruined um, it. You've ruined it all. <laughs> and yeah, for me, that, that that's why just, you know, the standout ones. I think Abu Dhabi was a really good race, even though he was beaten by his teammate. Abu Dhabi was a really strong drive for him. From the whole team, they did really, really well in Abu Dhabi. Um Yeah. And there were a few of us across the season where I just thought he really stood out as a. As I a, mean, as a great Monza driver. was a really solid drive, despite the fact that yeah. he, um, yeah, he yeah. lost it to Gasly. Like he was, there was no one more gutted than him to have lost that race to Gasly. No, no one. So close. Yeah, and he's been quite unlucky all season, actually. Like he finished sixth in the standings, but I don't think that reflects his the way he's driven at all. Like. <laughs> He's had. He's not been particularly lucky with like retirements and incidents and stuff. He sh- he probably should have been a good position or two higher in the championship. I think. Yeah. I mean, he was only twenty off Perez, who finished fourth. So. Yeah, that's that's the what a win changes, isn't it? That's yeah. a that's the big, really is point yeah. de- point deficit a, a win can cause, I guess. 
who else? Ricardo, I think, has been really very good this season. I think Ricardo's been back to his kind of Red Bull race winning level of performances yeah. this year. Let, let's put it this way. Those those three drivers that are sandwiched between the two Red Bull drivers in the standings, they're there for a reason. And that's yeah. their they are there because they have drove extremely well and extremely consistently all season. Absolutely, yeah. And it comes back to um the the like comments we've made all season, or at least for the back end of the season, about McLaren turning into the most likely candidate for third because they've got a consistent pair and not a consistent single driver. Mm-hmm. The next one out of those teams is Norris in ninth. Yeah. At, and then you're looking further down the list for Stroll and Ocon, who aren't even in the top 10. So I think that the, those three sandwiched between Max and Alexander Albon are probably the the three to to be worthy of the honourable mentions, I think. Yeah, but you are... Like, pr- previous years, like, I know we gave drive of the season to signs last year. I can't remember who it was the year before, but... You know, and it's the same with driver of the day. We tend to like to look past the winner to like other standout performances, yeah. but it's so hard to look past Hamilton this year. He's really yeah. has been on another level. I don't think there's a single driver in the world you could have put in that other Mercedes that would have stopped him this year. No, yeah. not have. I think maybe Russell might have given him a bit more of a run for his money towards the yeah. end of the season, at least. But I mean, I I think obviously setup and config dependent i think max could give him a run for his money max would have pushed him a lot closer for sure yeah but i still don't think any of them could have beaten him mm. it's um and i've just got no doubt that he's going to just keep building on that for next year as well he just shows absolutely no signs of slowing down does he not at the moment no yeah not i think it'd moment. be definitely next season looking to next season he'll definitely be on for a you know he'll be right there in the mix for for the title next for another title next year, unless his teammate can sort of get it together somehow. Assuming he signs a contract, this is um yeah. which you know the day we put this podcast out, he's gonna have signed a contract. Like he's probably signing putting pen to paper as we speak. Well he's he's <laughs> waited for us to say yeah. we're gonna do this episode. Then as soon as he sees that we've recorded it, because he's got eyes all over the world, he'll he'll then put his pen to paper and we'll look like chumps. That's how he wills. That's how it wills. <laughs> how it wills. This is exactly how it wills. I said rolls. Oh, I thought you said worlds. No, I said rolls. <laughs> still, I'm, I'm still going to use that. I'm going to use that forever now. <laughs> I really want to be in his world now. Um, well, it is nearly Christmas. <clears throat> I mean, the, the, does that not signify the end of the episode? I think right it does, yeah. yeah. I think that once is... we start talking about ice cream, then yeah, it's time to... Uh, time ice to cream? Now. Vinny's wheels on ice cream. Yeah, the little short ready biscuits. You're thinking of Vienna's. I'm thinking of a Viennetta. (laughs) Viennetta, sorry, not Vienna. (laughs) Vienna's? That's a country, Tom. Uh, Oh, it's a city. City. (laughs) (laughs) Are we sure we've not been drinking during this episode? I literally haven't. I've had coffee and that's it for a change. Well and truly (laughs) off the rails. Yeah. That's definitely time to end. (laughs) Yeah, that brings us to the end of the awards and the episode and the season. Um, it's honestly, I think this has been one of the seasons of F1 I've enjoyed the most in years. Yeah. Like it's been in the weirdest circumstances and we had to wait a very long time for it to happen. And when it did happen, it was just like coming at you so thick and fast you could barely keep up. But yeah, I've honestly loved this season. It's been so entertaining. Yeah. And I want to just take a moment, which I'm sure you two will as well, but 
saying thank you to everybody who's joined us week in week out um because obviously without that support when we're, we're not we're not going to be here are we? so yeah. like everyone that joins in with predictions <laughs> league and everyone that sends us like emails in for inbox and just general comments and interacts with us on social media and all that kind of stuff it's all very very much appreciated and we look forward to you joining us next season as well yeah and especially given that like there were months where nothing happened and we basically just had to like go dark for a while and the fact that yeah you always came back and stuff with us yeah was very very heartwarming in a in a very difficult year yeah now that we've actually grown a little bit as well i think yeah who knew yeah we definitely have yeah yeah, I mean, we've got more people than ever joined the Predictions League, which is awesome. I, I love doing that every week. Yeah, it's so I don't don't love the results so much, but I like <laughs> doing it. <laughs> um, and yeah, that'll wrap us up. Uh, we haven't made any plans for the podcast beyond this. We're probably going to have at least a couple of weeks off, I think, over <laughs> what's left of Christmas in this country yeah. and yeah. New Year. It's not that long to go, though. It's less than three months until the first race of the season now, which is yeah. insane. I'm sure uh, we'll have something over the course of the new year looking ahead as yeah, news absolutely. comes for the new season. Yeah, and um, the final thing I'd want to add to it is if you are a motion designer and you're looking for some work, then give me a shout. <laughs> 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 Don't think I'm going to do every race next year. <laughs> We've already got one sponsor's episode. We can't have you coming yeah. in for the sponsor slot as well. Do you want a job? <laughs> <laughs> some recruitment, yeah. <laughs> but um, seriously yeah. do send me your email if you <laughs> <laughs> yeah should we, should we should we call that a season yes I think that's a season that is, that a, is season. a season so yeah thank you again everybody for for joining us and talking to us and uh chatting to me on twitter during race weekends and stuff all season <laughs> it's been been fantastic can't wait for next year already uh yeah so until then thank you and goodbye bye bye Do you want a fanfare for your for your things, Stu? I found the fanfare if you want it. Go on then. There you go. Can't Couldn't hear, hear it. it. Can't hear it. Oh, <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> oh, this is going so well today. Yeah. Perfect.